Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Don't Miss This. I am David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. We are glad that y'all are here with us today. We are doing a... uh, Hey, welcome to anybody who's new, by the way. Every week we are getting uh, more and more new people who are coming along. And so, howdy. Welcome. So glad that you are here. And also, we love hearing from you. We love meeting you. We love being with you. Um, We like seeing your comments and messages. Sorry if we're a little bit slow in getting back to them. We're trying, trying, and... Um, I don't know why I said trying twice. Because <laughs> that's how hard. That is how hard I'm trying. I'm double trying to do that. So um, each week we send out a newsletter. Also, you can um, go sign up for that um, at emilybellfreeman.com. That there's an E at the end of L. <laughs> <laughs> or Bell. At the end of Bell, there's an E. And you can follow us on Instagram at Mr. Dave Butler. And Emily Bell Freeman. To kind of Bell get more about e. yeah what we're doing and everything, <laughs> everything like that. This is a disaster already. So we're going to jump into what we're kind of more good at, which is this. Okay. Um, today we're doing 1 Corinthians 8 through 13. If they want to see the board. Okay. Look at the board. If you missed last week, um, 1 Corinthians is a letter to the saints that live in Corinth. And uh, this is all one letter. So there weren't chapter divisions when Paul wrote this letter originally. What you're actually doing is reading through someone else's mail. (laughs) It's a little rude. Um, But Paul sent this letter to them as one whole letter. And remember, he is, um, they are addressing uh, problems, healing contentions. Um, What was that third one? I forgot. I erased it. (laughs) Answering questions. Okay, answering questions um, about things that are going on. And so that letter is, is still continuing. So this is kind of part two of last week, sort of. We're going to start in chapter 9, actually, because Paul is Paul gets a little bit of pushback from the saints in Corinth because they were a little bit more high class. They were into a little bit more sophisticated kind of talking and, and thinking and reasoning. Um, they had a lot of uh, pagan and Gentile converts that brought that culture with them. And so um, a lot of them were kind of saying what he was hearing is they didn't really like his message because he wasn't presenting it as sophisticated. He, he says over and over, look, my message is simple. I preach Christ crucified for us. And so kind of addressing that, Paul asks him a question at the beginning of chapter 9 where he says, am I not an apostle? Right? Basically saying, I'm not, I know I'm not a scriptorian. I know I'm not a philosopher. I know I'm not a, a, a man of like, you know, what, well, I don't know what else to say. Well, and we love too, he goes in and explains this more, not just right there in verse 1, but when we come over to verse 19, he's going to talk about how I'm not meant to be the one on the pedestal. That's, that is never what I meant for myself to be. I'm not saying I'm the expert. Um, I'm not even saying I'm the best one for the job. And we talked last week about how neat it was when he said to them, I am with you um, in this. That's what I'm trying to do. And he goes into detail about that in verse 19 where he says, I made myself a servant unto all so I could gain more people. And then I love these next couple verses because for me, it teaches how to be the very best kind of teacher. In essence, what he's going to say is, I'm going to meet you where you are. 
wherever that is, which is the teaching style of Jesus. Which I was going to say, yeah, if you've been with us for a while, like you know that that is that's how he was. I'll yeah. meet you in that place. I'm, I'm going to come right where you are. And Paul says in verse 20, this might be one of my favorite verses. Paul says 20 and 21 um, in all the New Testament. He says, and unto the Jews, I became as a Jew so I could gain the Jews. And to them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain all of them that are under the law. And to them that are without law as without law. And then you love how he's like, I'm not saying I was a, a thief. You know what I mean? <laughs> he, he tells you, I'm, I still have law to God, but I'm just saying I know what it feels like to be without law, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became as I weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made by all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And I just love the thought of that, that he was like, I'm going to meet you where you are as you are. If you're a Jew, I'm going to speak to you like you're a Jew. If you're a Gentile, I'll speak to you as if you're as if I'm a Gentile. If you're without law, I'm going to talk to you about times in my life when I know how that felt. I am going to meet you where you are. That's what I came to do and why. And I love that he says, because by all means, by everything I can do, my hope is to save some. And, and that, I love that comparison there. It's like, I will give all that I might save some. Again, that's a very, very, uh, I mean, Jesus wants to save all, but he was willing to give all uh, for an individual, mm-hmm. right? That that is the way that he... And that's what you love about the gospel is it is so, when lived right, it is so individual. It's, it's loving one-on-one. It's what we learn from the very top, down is we've got to be better at learning how to love the one and it's always about uh deflection right john the baptist line that he says i decrease so that christ can increase in other people's lives so you you see that a lot with paul which is awesome so he says at the very beginning am i not an apostle like that is what my claim is to be and an apostle he's not talking about a title right an apostle is Am I not a special witness of Jesus Christ? Do you not see me acting like Jesus? That's what he's asking them. It has nothing to do with the title. It has to do with when you see me, you should see a witness of Jesus. That's who you should see. So then in this chapter, it's kind of neat. He kind of talks about almost like he's giving you, saying like, these are kind of some of the principles I live by in order to live as a witness of Christ. Like, uh, my this is what's motivating me this is what's mm-hmm. getting me going in the morning this is why I keep waking up keep writing letters keep planting churches is because of and these principles you might find more but we picked out um, some of our favorite. just some of our best ones yeah. that are in here okay so we're gonna start with oh this one in verse 10 and and he says this um, uh, for our sakes no doubt this is written that he that ploweth should plow in hope or he that doeth the work of the Lord does it um, by by uh, in in hope, right? Um, I've always loved this phrase and and this idea. Um, I kind of got introduced to it, I guess. I remember I was standing inside of a hospital room um, with a member of our ward and neighborhood, and I remember standing there and I looked around at everybody who was in there and realized I was kind of the uh, kind of the lone guy out. Like there were nurses and there were doctors, there were family members that were making all of the decisions. There were, you know, that everybody had a job except for me. And I remember standing there thinking like, I don't even know what my 
responsibility or job is. And I felt like the Lord whispered to me, uh, your job is to speak hope. And, uh, and so I, I, I took it seriously. And ever since then, I've kind of thought that, that um, in any situation, what I want to do is to breathe hope into that situation. I might not have the answer or the solution, or, and I know I'm not the expert in, in any of those scenarios, but I can um, preach hope and I can breathe hope and, and trust in God in, into situations. And so um, we love that line that he says, mm-hmm. this is what I think about. I plow in hope. I do my work motivated by hope in Jesus. And just planting hope in other people, right? You're preparing to give people hope. And um, that, that's what an apostle does. That's what a witness of Jesus Christ would do. And you know, there's that phrase that a lot of people use where they're just like, don't get your hopes up. And I always think to myself, wait, why not? <laughs> why, would, yes. why would you not ever want to increase hope? Yeah, it's so good. Um, the second getting rid of thing, that phrase. He, okay. I'm going to take it, take, it, take it on. What does that even mean? Take all of Google (laughs) in order to do that. Good luck. May the Lord bless your efforts. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks Um, for being so hopeful. mm -hmm. Um, The next one is in verse 12, and it says, We suffer all things lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. And you want to choose not to have this one on the paper, right? Because who wants to suffer? Really, who does? and we love that he was like, first let me speak hope, because second I'm going to tell you to be a witness of Jesus Christ often brings suffering. Mm-hmm. It is just true. It's what happens. And uh, it's not necessarily because of Jesus. It's because of mortality. And we chose to come here, and mortality brings with it hard things. It just does. It brings addiction. It brings cancer. It brings pain. It brings struggling relationships. It's just that's part of this mortal journey. And it's interesting because um, if you turn the page in the next chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, there is a verse that we are all really familiar with. It's verse 13. And it says, God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. And if you look in the footnotes for um, that 13a, it's going to tell us um, that you can't, now I lost up here, but will with the, oh, to be tempted, I'm going to take you to 13B, um, and then also as you go down into the topical guide, it tells you you can change that word for being test, tried, or proven. So it's talking about tempted, tested, tried, or proven. God's not going to give you more than you can bear. Sometimes we accidentally stop there. Yeah, we, we tell half like, the That's verse. the end of the verse. And we're so happy because we're like, he's never going to give us more than we can bear of any of those things, of being tempted, tried, proven, or tested. He won't give us more. Actually, that is not what the verse says. The most important part of the verse is what comes after everyone's like we should push pause right now i don't want to know the next part yeah. <laughs> i just want to think i want you to lie to me and tell me everything's gonna, gonna be fine then he says but he will with the temptation or the test or the trial or the proving also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it the um, time i was taught the best about this scripture was for my friend chris belcher who some of you may know um some of you may have heard me talk about her on my Instagram stories a little while back, I put a picture of her and I and another good friend of ours standing by a chemotherapy bell. 
she has been through cancer several times in her life and um, she has fought the good fight over and over and over again and um, and it's been a fight like it really has been a fight and if you look at her life it probably has been her greatest fight of her life it's just trying to overcome cancer over and over again and one time she said that there is nothing about the first of that scripture that is true that God won't give you more than you can bear because her trial so far has been more than she can bear even those of us who are watching it it's more than we can bear and what I love is she said if if God wasn't gonna give us more than we could handle on our own why would we need a savior <laughs> we wouldn't because we could handle it on our own of course we're gonna have more than we can bear in mortality and that's why God said and I will provide a savior for you to help you get through that and when it talks about but he will with the temptation or the trial or the proving or the test also make a way to escape and you need to remember that one verse that talks about I am the way um, it's Jesus, Jesus. That. yeah yeah he is gonna give us Jesus to get through those things that's how we're gonna get through we're gonna suffer as witnesses of Christ um, because we chose to come to mortality but he promised us a way through and what's interesting is sometimes that suffering is what actually makes us a greater and more sincere witness of mm -hmm. Jesus Christ like we don't want the suffering and and God cries along with us in it but in that chapter 10 a couple verses down there's a phrase that that we love where it says the cup of blessing is it not the communion of blood with Christ right or fellowship um, that Christ came and suffered and uh, but his suffering became a cup of blessing and we can think about that each week as we take the sacrament mm -hmm. like, wait that this fellowship I have with Christ in suffering we're reminded of that and he's saying no I no longer call that a cup um, a cup of the remember he says I don't want to drink let, the yeah, bitter let cup. this cup pass yeah. from me right that mm -hmm. bitter cup actually became a cup of blessing um, he drank the bitter cup and turned it into a cup of blessing for all of us and and Paul's suffering he's saying that suffering has enabled me to now give a cup of blessing on to others mm -hmm. and I'm in fellowship with Christ in doing yeah. that and and you know Chris is a dear friend of mine also and as you were talking I just couldn't help but think um, of particularly over the last couple of weeks she's given me some really dear and good advice and that's advice that she learned mm -hmm. in the depths of sorrow and suffering and so no I don't want her to have any of that suffering but it is through that suffering that she's been able to teach and minister in a very very unique and particular way that's so good so, and so true about and we her. love you Chris Belcher yes we do um, okay the next thing he tells us is in verse 13 do you not know that they back in nine yeah back, yeah, in, back in nine, nine. Do not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? Oh, I love this line so much too. I just love the thought of that. That if we are going to minister holy things, then we have to live of the things of the temple. That's how our life should look. Not just when we're getting dressed to go to the temple, but all of the time. I'm not saying you have to wear your church clothes all the time, everybody. Don't worry. <laughs> Even though I do have to. Okay, that's because you chose to be an institute teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Not because you're trying to be the most holy person in the room. <laughs> um, but I once um, had a good friend of mine say something that has stuck with me my whole life. She was talking about when you are in times of trial or tribulation, hopefully a covenant person.
person is within reach. And she just said that and then moved on in the conversation. And I was like, wait a minute, what was she talking about? This is our, my friend, Mary Ellen Edmonds. And <laughs> what was she talking about right there? Because that felt like a really important thing. And so I thought about it again. In times of trouble or tribulation, hopefully a covenant person is within reach. And it made me think of our baptismal covenant. And a covenant person would be somebody who took the covenant to mourn with those that mourn, comfort those that stand in need of comfort, and bear one another's burdens. And in essence, she was saying is, in times of trial or tribulation, hopefully there is someone willing to live that covenant within reach of you. And it made me think to myself, I, I wanna be that kind of person. I wanna live the covenant that I have made so that if there is ever someone within my reach that needs something of that covenant, I'm ready to, to be able to be that kind of person for them. Yeah, and hopefully that that's what it means to live covenants and to live the temple, to live in holiness, mm -hmm. is to live that commission that Jesus gave to holy and covenant people, right? He's like, I didn't set you aside. Holy, right, is remember to be set aside, mm -hmm. to be better than. I set you aside as a group who would live out my commission to mourn with those that mourn and mm -hmm. comfort and love. Yep. You know, in that way. Okay, and then we'll do one more that we just love from this chapter. Uh, we'd love to know any more that you find. Please send them, like in the comments. But um, in verse 14, he says, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And if you've been around for a while, you know it's one of my favorite words, gospel, um, because it means good news. Right, And he says, I want you to live the good news. And the good news, if you go up to that very first verse, when he says, am I not a witness of Christ? He says, am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus in, in, in this work? Um, that idea of being free is one who recognizes and knows I have been set free from death and from the claim of the devil because of the work uh, and of Jesus Christ. Right? So he says, what it means to live the gospel is to live in a way that's like, I, because I have been so liberally and abundantly loved, I will love liberally and abundantly in return. That is what that means to live the gospel. And I love as we get to the end of this chapter, there is one verse that every so often you see Paul um, as the person who you imagine on the road to Damascus. He just has so much zeal and passion and it's almost as if there is like too much to be contained in him that you're, you're just not sure what Paul's gonna do next and, and we'll still see that even through these next chapters. Um, That's why I like Paul. That we love you him. You never know what he's going to do next. don't know what's going to happen. Um, and you particularly like him because we don't know that about you either. I'm always like, what's going to happen She next? told me yesterday that she gets butterflies in her stomach before we start recording because she never knows what I'm going to say or do. I hold back, y'all, just so you know. Not in my love of Jesus do I not hold back, but... You just don't know what is ever going to happen. But so far, we're halfway through the New Testament and we're all still in good shape. We got three other books to go. Everybody keep your fingers crossed. Um, okay, Paul, in verse 26 of chapter 9, I love when he says this. He's talking about um, what kind of apostle he is, what kind of special witness, how he is giving everything he has. And then he says this, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that be the, the heir. And I love what he's saying there, that like I am running as fast as I can and I know where I'm going. And I'm not just punching air, right? I know my fight. Hmm. I know what I'm fighting against and I am giving everything I have to this cause and that is why you just love him you love him 
because he just unabashedly is like, I am for Jesus Christ. I am. I'm going to give everything I have for the cause of Christ. And, oh, I just want to be like that. I want to be Paul every day. Um, well, you are like that. Okay, thank you. And you are too. And all of you. She felt like she had to say that. <laughs> okay, we're going to move ahead to chapter 12. Again, like he's just talking about. Remember, one of the main purposes of this letter was contentions and divisions that are among you uh, in the church there and in the city of Corinth. And he's just, ta- he's just gone through these things, right? Give people hope. Suffer um, uh, together. Live out the covenant and holy lives. Live the gospel. Love liberally and abundantly. And he starts talking about what it means to live inside a Christian community um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And this is a chapter that's really famous in the whole Christian world for being mm-hmm. Paul's list of spiritual gifts. Where he says, um, he starts at verse 4, he says, There's diversities of gifts, but they're of the same spirit. And there are differences of administration, but they come from the same Lord. Um, it is the same God that worketh in all. And we love this as kind of like the overarching theme of spiritual gifts, verse 7, which says, The manifestation of the Spirit, or the gifts of the Spirit, are given to every man and woman to profit with all. It's like, I want you to remember the whole reason that God is going to be moving and working through the Holy Spirit in this community is so that everybody can be benefited. If you are given a gift, it is so that that gift can be used to benefit other people. Yeah. And um, I love when, as he's going through and he's talking about that, he's going to start listing those. Um, For one is given by the Spirit, the word of wisdom, and another one knowledge, one faith, one healing. Um, We see a similar thing to this in the Doctrine and Covenants, section 46, where it goes through and lists those gifts again. And I'll never forget one day, I was driving in the car. I was in North Carolina. I was with a friend of mine who is Christian, and we were just in this little rental car. We were talking, and we're driving along, and she turned to me, and she said, what is your gifting? And no one has ever asked me that before. Has anyone ever asked you that before? I had never even heard that oh, word yeah, before. yeah, I had, but... Okay, yeah. <laughs> I had never. And um, I, some of you who maybe live in the South or in the Bible Belt might have heard that word used before. I, I didn't know what a gifting was. So I sat there for a minute, and I was like, what is my gifting? Also, I a little bit wanted a gifting, so I wondered, <laughs> I wondered what it was. And, and she said what hers was. She was like, you know, like mine is. And she said what hers is, and I thought about that, and I was like, well, what what is my gifting? And... All of a sudden, it made 1 Corinthians 12 like really tangible to me and Doctrine and Covenants 46 because it was so interesting that she just thought it was normal as pie that you would walk up to someone and instead of being like, what's your name? It was like, and what's your gifting? You know, <laughs> I was like, I, I need to know what mine is in case someone ever asked me that again, what is my gifting? And that is one of the things that I love about her. Almost every time I've ever talked to her, she has said, um, she's talked about that. How are you using your gifting? What are you doing mm. with your gifting? It, it is a very present part of her life. So it might be fun to just stop for a minute right here and talk with your family um, what, about what your giftings are or what are your spiritual gifts. Um, you might recognize some in the people that you're with. Your patriarchal blessing is also a really great place to find out what your gifts are, what those gifts of the Spirit um, might be. That you might look to. Yeah, or to talk to people who know you really well and might be able to see that. Um, Sometimes people would um, come into my office as I served as a bishop and just kind of say like that they didn't really have much to offer or they didn't have, uh, you know, a a gift. And I had this little paper. We're going to try and find a way to get it to y'all. And I just kept it 
on my desk, and it was just a list of Paul lists like seven, mm-hmm. you know, spiritual gifts. And, but and forty six lists a little, a few more. Right. That are but it's on just there. kind of like the number of ways that God can use people in the world to bless other people's lives are is almost infinite. So it's a neat list to be able to just. I mean, you just drop anywhere on Give this some. paper, yes, and you're just say like some of the, gifts. Uh, the, so the spiritual gift of loyalty, the spiritual gift of encouragement of diligence, of enthusiasm. Oh, don't you want that gift? I want the gift of enthusiasm. You, you Well, you can have it. Okay, thank the you. The hospitality, the spiritual gift of being prompt. I don't have that one. <laughs> I was going to say, wait a minute. <laughs> Some gifts you don't have on the list. <laughs> I don't want them. Of creativity. Those two that. people go together, right? Of goodness, of supportive, of being thorough, of being teachable. So there's so many different... And um, the thing that's awesome about that truly is... We don't all have all the same gifts. Each of us is given something different. And, he ta- and Paul talks about that's why the community is so strong. Because all of you have something different. We um, just went through an escape room in Denver. Have you been through one? Oh, no, but I want to oh, so it is so bad. fun. It I is really so, want guys, to so bad. It is so fun. I feel like fun. I'd be so good at it. It is so fun. And I went I don't with, even need the group. Um, Garrett and Natalie. I'm just kidding. And Megan and Tyson and me. It was us five. And plus we had the babies in there, which made it even more crazy. And we got caught in a saloon and we couldn't get out. We had to find $52,000 in one hour before the other gang came in the back door and like that. And as we were going through, it was so interesting as a mom to just like sit back and start watching all of my kids because they each were good at something different. Natalie was really good with words. Garrett was super good with the locks. Tyson was not good at the locks. We told him if we ever did this again. But Tyson was really good at like the strategy of things. And Megan, as she would sit there and go through and what about this? What about this? And at the last minute when we almost weren't going to get out, it was Garrett who was like, well, we didn't, we left one lock in the other room we didn't do. And all the other of us were like, we did? Like we didn't even know. And it, as we walked out, I was like, that was so interesting. We needed all five of us in order to get out. We, we wouldn't have gotten out. Um, the boys knew that, that bullets have different sizes and different whatever. And that just we all had different knowledge that helped us get out of that situation. Um, and as we're talking about this, I'm like, it's the same thing. We don't, I'm not just like you. And you are not like me, which you're so happy because I'm very much more of a rule keeper than he is. <laughs> He's a I love lot that more. You that as your example. <laughs> well, you hate that I'm a rule keeper. He's just fun all the time. So you have to spend the day with one of us choose him <laughs> whatever Everybody, no one even knows my name <laughs> <laughs> um, but we all bring something unique that's the beauty of a ward council that's the beauty of a family that's um why we have well, not even ward council but a ward family a ward like family a neighborhood. Oh, okay yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and sometimes we think like why can't i find um religion or find god on my own and this is one of paul's greatest points in here he's just like Wait, Christianity is meant to be lived out in community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On purpose, God divides, right? I know. This week you might want to find an escape room. Well, you I was really just going to say, that's the best be idea for family home evening on this yes. one. I wonder if someone wants to give us a code or something. It's like, we're about to send a lot of people your way. <laughs> yes. We should sign up before be everyone so else does or it's going to get booked. Um, <laughs> but funny. I love it. Paul then just says this, where he makes a comparison of the community of Christ to a body. He says, we are all the body of Christ. We represent Christ as a whole. He who in in uh, um, Matt has all the gifts. I, was, I don't know what word I was about going there. Um, my gift is not words. Okay, he has all the gifts. So as a community, we represent 
him and do the work of Jesus. It takes all of us to do that. And he says, there are many members, verse 20, but one body. And he says, this is awesome, 21, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't even need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you either. That we can't say to other members of the body of Christ that I have no need for you. Because the eye does things that the hand can't do, and the foot does things that the... Head. Head. I was about to say the hip. <laughs> the eye is connected to the, That's what you're thinking of. <laughs> I, was, no, I was thinking of um, these hips don't lie, that song. Um, but the, the, he says we're all members of the body of Christ. All together. And we laugh about this, and sometimes it's funny when you read it and you're not sure what's even going on here. Um, but I had a good friend say to me just a couple months ago, he was like, think about this in our day right now. Because we have so many people who feel like they don't fit into the church community. And it made me think of a conversation I had with my friend Kay, Kate, who's gay. And when he said, you just you can't be Mormon and gay is what he told me six months ago and you read this and you're like wait a minute we're all members of the body of Christ and and we can't say to part of the membership we actually don't have a place for you here we don't have room for you here that's not how the body of Christ works and it goes on to tell us we have to figure out how to heal um, each part of the body that's the job of the community is to figure out how to do that and how to do that well. And I think Paul in 12 is leading us into what is about to happen in 13 by telling us everybody is part of Christ's church. And his is, is a table where he looks around to see who's missing. And part of our job is to learn how do we heal the parts of the body that don't feel like they are a part of the community? And it's interesting because I, I don't think it's very wise to lead into or look at a person and think, how can, you know, how do we fix that person? But rather, what can I learn from that person? Our friend uh, Tom Christofferson, which a lot of you may have read his book or heard him speak before, um, he talks about this in the book where when he also is a... Um, he is gay and a, and a member of the church. And that's good. That is important that you're bringing that up because that is an important concept. By healing, we don't. Healing does not mean fixing what you think might be a problem in someone. Healing has to do with relationship. Right. It's healing that relationship um, between all the members of the body of Christ. Right. And he talked about being away from the church community for a long time and missing it. And when he started to come back, he sat in the back row for several weeks and then snuck out at the closing hymn. And finally he just thought, if I'm gonna be coming and visiting these meetings again, um, I need to kind of talk to the bishop. So he went and went to the bishop's home and just kind of said, look, here's my story. I'm in a relationship. I, you know, I, you know, I grew up, you know, as a member of the church, I'm distanced from it now. I don't have any intentions. I'm be rebaptized. I just kind of wanted to sit in the back and worship and be with you. And then he said to the bishop, "Now that you know my past and who I am and my story, I just want to know if I am welcome in your congregation." And that bishop said back to him, "He's like, you are not only welcome, um, but you are needed in our congregation." Uh, we've got things that you can learn from us, but you have things and your partner has things that we can learn from him. So please come share your gifting. Uh, he didn't use that word, but you know, share the gifts. Like we, we're all as part of this together. And Paul uses this, um, this verse, verse 26, where he says, if we're all part of the, the same body, he says, 
if one member suffers, then all the members suffer with it. Mm. And if one member is honored, then all of the members rejoice together. Right? That If we're all part of that same body, you know? If you like... I, we were in uh, on vacation a couple weeks ago and I stepped on a, a spike in my foot. And it just impacts the whole rest of, of your body. <laughs> yes. You know? If one part of you hurts, the whole rest mm. of the... And he says, like, that is the way we got to view this community. He was like, if one of us is downtrodden, then we all are downtrodden. Right? We, we're... It's... Mm-hmm. We're... I keep wanting to say we're all in this together and you're going to think that's high school musical, but really Troy Bolt was that's teaching right. a good principle, you know? So um, anyways, that is just a, a really, really powerful. And, and we put that right here, 1226. We just think that's an important concept. So that's one thing that you're going to want to fill in right there. But like Emily was saying, that this is the, this is the whole idea of... Um, where he goes in the next chapter, chapter 13, which is probably the most famous chapter in all of the Bible, right? It's got to be in the, in the Christian world. And that is where he just, you know, says at the very beginning, starts talking about some of those, you know, some of those gifts there. And I have to read it from the message. Yes. Okay. You can. Okay. This is the message version of it. Remember that Bible I love so much. She's pretending she likes it because she got in trouble <laughs> Wait, for not liking it. I like it. <laughs> just fine. Okay. I like all So this is one through, one through two, but here it is in another one. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I am nothing. And later it says, I'm bankrupt without love. It says, of all the gifts that there are, in fact, at the very end, maybe we should go there, and he says, now, abide or live in faith and in hope and in charity, right? These three, right? So trust steadily in God and hope unswervingly and love extravagantly, he says, but the greatest of these is to love. Yeah, it's so good. And I love a song. I should have looked it up and I forgot, but we will link to it in the newsletter. Um, and the writer of the song talks about, I could teach the best lesson. I could sing with a choir of angels. Um, I could do all these things that would give me accolades among men. But if I cannot love, I am nothing. And it's just such an interesting principle, especially coming out of that body of Christ, um, that, that this is where he leads next. Um, he has set us up to learn that having charity is not going to be easy necessarily, mm-hmm. but it's going to be more important than anything else we learn in mortality, is this and, pure love of Christ. And in all those gifts, right, that he lists, you know, and, and all the gifts that are on the piece of paper and everything, charity really is... Uh, meant to be the motive and the power behind behind mm-hmm. all the gifting and all the giving. And we put this quote on the paper that um, we love so much, that charity sustains us in every need and it influences us in every decision. And what's so powerful about this, have you ever done this before, um, where you look at the list of what charity is, the description of it, you know, where it says charity suffereth long and is kind and envieth not, does not behave unseemly, seeketh not her own. And, and maybe another translation of the Bible can help you kind of learn what those are. But it's sometimes neat to replace the word charity with Jesus in that whole list. And you're like, wait, this is a description of Jesus. Jesus suffers long and Jesus is kind. And Jesus doesn't envy or puff himself up. Jesus doesn't behave unseemly 
seeketh not her own. I love that line about mm-hmm. Jesus. He doesn't go after yeah. his own crowd. Yeah. He goes outside his circle. He bears all things. He believes all things. He hopes all things and he endureth all things. Jesus never faileth. Mm, that's so good. And I think it's important that as we think about it to realize the reason why Jesus can love so deeply to, to great heights and to the lowest of depths and everywhere is because of what he suffered. Mm. And that allows him to understand at a deeper level. And part of how we learn how to love with charity instead of with duty is is learning to have that deep sense of empathy and understanding for someone else's story. I'll never forget many, many years ago, sitting on an airplane next to a woman. I, I walked in and I sat down and this older woman was sitting there and she had a white cowboy hat and she was holding it in her lap and her hands were on it. And as soon as I sat down, I thought, oh, this woman has a story. You just knew, <laughs> you just knew she did. And um, so I started asking her about her life and she started telling me about this life um, her mom and her daughter and her two, her daughter's two kids were in Florida. There was about to be a hurricane, a big, it was, it was one of the big hurricanes. And um, they were in the hallway and the mom had come over to be with her and the daughter was by herself because her son is in the army and it was this woman's, it was the daughter-in-law, it was this woman's son who was in the army. So she has a son in the army who she's praying for already. Now she's sitting on this airplane with her white cowboy hat in her lap praying for her daughter and her two grandkids and her mom who are in a hallway underneath a mattress that they're going to be fine for the whole hurricane. And she's just trying to get home to them. But you know what happens during hurricanes. All the flights get delayed everywhere. And um, then I started asking her about her cowboy hat and her work. And it turns out her husband left her for another woman. And the only job she knew was what her husband had done. And he was a general contractor. And she only knew it from watching him. So she thought, well, I'm just going to have to become a general contractor because I don't know how to do anything else. And so she started taking on jobs and hiring out all these um, crews of workers that she would manage, even though she had never dreamed of doing that in her life. But she just she knew how to run an office. She knew how to do all those things. And she was probably 65. And now she's working all those jobs. And as I'm sitting here listening to her talk about her son in the army and her daughter under the mattress and her trying to run this whole company she never thought she would do in her life. And I I looked at her and I said to her, I'm sorry your life has been so hard. And she said, it's okay. It's the way it should be. And then she said something I will never forget. She said, the hard things have taught me to be more compassionate to those who will walk that same road one day. Every time a trial comes, it simply reminds me that now I have more to give. And right when she said it, I was like, that is charity. That's what charity is. It's coming out of a really hard, hard thing knowing I'm going to understand someone better now. I'm going to understand someone's story better now. And because I know the story, I'm going to be able to love a little bit better than I maybe would have before. And, And maybe that's the cycle of learning to love like Christ is realizing that it was his suffering that allows him to love mm. so purely and and maybe that's how he tutors us is by giving us suffering so we can love other people through that same kind of a situation more purely yeah no wonder he wouldn't like give us things we can't bear on our own mm. right because he's like let me as i minister and bring you through this then you are learning how to minister and bring others through you know as well yeah. which is a, a really neat thing uh, um, there's a, 
I, I've got a good friend who um, works for the, well, I don't know, Department of the Church, the one that's always doing, you know, research mm-hmm. and, and looking and stuff like that. And earlier this year told me a statistic and a study that was recently done that, um, that people four times to one uh, associate the word cult um, more than they do love when they hear you know, Mormon or member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I was like, that is awful that uh, we would be associated, that that would not be, I, this is my dream, my wish is that that survey would be done again. And the first thing that someone hears when they uh, associate with the church is love. I, oh. I want that to be word Should we all start wearing those yellow one. shirts on Fridays? <laughs> the helping hand yellow? shirts. Oh, <laughs> it's like, Everybody, we all need helping hand shirts. You know? We'll wear them on Fridays. But that is what should characterize a follower of Christ, right? Someone sent forth mm-hmm. is somebody who, loves, you know, who loves, loves well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, and I love the end. The end of that chapter of the body of Christ, Corinthians twelve. This is on your paper, in case you're wondering what in the heck all these lines on here mean. Um, but Paul says, after talking about gifts and stuff like that, and he says, in the church, there's some prophets and prophets, I mean, apostles and prophets, and there's teachers. And he says, are all prophets or are all apostles? I have like, I can't read. Are all teachers? Yeah. Are all workers of miracles? Does, Does everyone have the gift of healing? Does everyone speak with tongues? Does everybody interpret? Right, all those things. He's like, no, no, not everybody is is the same. And, and a lot of times... Um, I had a conversation with a good friend of mine who just says, don't you think that God kind of has a good old boys club? You know, that he just picks from the same people and moves them up through the hierarchy of the church. And, and those are the ones that, you know, those, that, that's the inner circle, the ones that he... And, and I looked at him and I was like, aren't, 0% of me but believes that or thinks that. And this is something that a lot of times I, I tried to help out, you know, members of my own ward with callings and everything. I was like, what you need to understand is callings don't look like this. There is not a hierarchy of, of callings. Who's the best? Right? Who's and then the most you're important? right, most important all the way down. They look like this, right? They are different. A, a, a primary teacher has a different responsibility uh, than uh, the, the ministering supervisor. Right? Whatever you want, it doesn't even sure matter. Here. Make it up. Yeah, I even have a made-up calling right now. Well, the, the, re- yeah, the Wait, reason I was, yeah, well, so. <laughs> I was trying. What I was trying to do was, what's funny is we'll say to people, um, we don't have, you know, some callings more important than the other. You can either be the bishop or the nursery leader. And when they use that example, I'm like, wait, you just use an example that proves you believe that there is a hierarchy. So I was trying on purpose not to do that with wait, what I was nursery saying. Nursery leader is Greg's favorite calling. Wait, that's, that's Jenny's right too. That's what I asked. Like that's what, right. So what 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 we're saying here is this. It's just like everyone might have different responsibilities, but there aren't any that are more important than than another. And I loved when you said because every calling is the same. Yes. Every calling is the same. You are called to love. Oh, that who loves is that? Should what we you just are called stop to do. Right there, you are called to love. It doesn't matter what the title of the calling is. The job is the same for everyone. Right. It's, and we should start sustaining people in church like that. <laughs> Sister so and so has been called to love. Oh, Those who would like to sustain this, you know? That'd be so awesome. You don't find out what their job yeah. is till they walk in right. the second it's hour. Like, oh, oh, that's, that's how where you're, you're loving. Yeah, that's how you're going to do it. That would right? be so awesome. But that is the, that's Paul's message, living in this community all together. 
the leading virtue and motive and power of all, all of that is is love. So. Yeah, so good. So love better this week. Love boldly. Um, just whatever you can do to love someone just a little bit better. That's the call this yeah. week. Okay, y'all. So good. Good week. See you, okay, next, see you week. next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.